0: Hey guys, this is Father Brad. It's raining a lot outside. If you can hear that, probably not though. Um, but real quick um, update: I um, am going to be taking a break from Quizzical Papist episodes. That's a trivia episodes, at least for a while. Um, I got some a lot of things going on at the parish. Um, around the parish with confirmation classes I'm teaching and adult confirmation classes and PSR classes and and drive-in movie nights and really cool stuff around the, the parish. Um, and also, I'm most likely going to be receiving an assignment as a pastor. So uh, I'm just taking a little time to discern what the Lord's calling me to do and re- regarding the show and, um, whether he wants me to keep going forward. So if you're a Patreon, I have stalled the, the, um, withdrawals. So, and I'll still be posting homilies most likely. So no worries. Just, uh, yeah. Say a prayer for me. Peace. Bye. be with you A reading from the holy gospel according to John Glory to you O Lord On the evening of that first day of the week when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them Peace be with you When he had said this he showed them his hands and his side The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas called Didymus, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hand and bring your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believe Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief, you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Jesus Christ. The Acts of the Apostles gives the ideal for the Christian church of one heart and of one mind. It says the, the church was of one heart and one mind. The Acts, as a reminder, it's written by Luke. So Luke wrote the gospel and then you kind of just put Acts of the Apostles on the, on the back of the gospel of Luke. It's like where, where the church takes over after the ascension. And, and Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit comes down to lead the church, and then we see what the early church was like in the Acts of the Apostles, and it said they were of one heart and one mind. Basically, they were unified in belief of one mind and of practice, of living their life of one heart. In the ancient world, the heart was the, the center of your will. You willed to do good or bad or this or that. And then your mind was what you believed. And those should be together. And that should be true of the church as well. Jesus said in John 17, I pray, Father, that they might be one as you and I are one. So when people see Christians in their unity, they see the unity of the Trinity Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, sadly, we are not of one heart and one mind because people are sinful and messed up and the church messes up and other people and other churches messed up and we, we split over the years. And so we're not of one heart and one mind completely though we strive to be one area that we are not one heart and one mind is what I'm going to focus on today. And that's the Eucharist. This weekend, our first communicants, our second graders received first communion. They received Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. They received the Eucharist. What is the Eucharist? Maybe we all need a refresher. Because we've received it many times from the time we were in second grade, or maybe if we became, became Catholic later in life, we received it later in life. But what is it? Because most Christian denominations do not believe what the early church believed. They're not of one heart and one mind with the apostolic teaching. They think it's just a symbol or just a representation of Jesus. But that is not what the early church believed. We need to be of one heart and one mind with the early church. So I'm going to reference Justin Martyr. Justin Martyr is a a saint uh, in the about she was, she was writing this in about 150 A.D. That's only a little bit after Jesus. Jesus ascended in, in 33. The Gospel of John, of which we read today, was written in the 90s A.D. So it's only about 60 years after the Gospel of John was written. And this is a ref, a, a representation of what the early church Christians believed. He says this about the Eucharist. This food we call the Eucharist, Of which no one is allowed to partake except one who believes that the things we teach are true and has received the washing for forgiveness of sins and for rebirth and who lives as Christ handed down to us. So, first, he says, if you're going to receive the Eucharist, you have to believe, you have to be of one mind, you have to believe what the church believes about it. That's why, like, say, you're at a funeral or or a wedding, I usually make an announcement. If you're not Catholic, We ask that you not receive the Eucharist. This isn't me making this up. This is from the early church because we believe it's Jesus. And if you don't believe it's Jesus, then it would be a desecration, sacrilege to receive the Eucharist if you think it's just a symbol and it's actually Jesus. And it says that you have to be baptized. You have to, to receive the Eucharist. You have to have received the washing for forgiveness of sins and for rebirth. That's baptism. So you have to be baptized, okay? And you have to live as Christ handed down to us, live in a way as Christ handed down to us. So you have to be in a state of grace. If you're not in the state of grace, you ought not receive communion. Again, this is the teaching of the church, but it's not a new teaching. It's not like me making it up or Father Jamin or Bishop Duca or Pope Francis. This is the the belief from the very beginning, the practice from the very beginning. You have to be of one heart and one mind. Why? Because we do not receive these things as common bread or common drink. Justin Martyr says, But as Jesus Christ, our Savior, being incarnate by God's word, took flesh and blood for our salvation, so also we have been taught that the food consecrated by the word of prayer, which comes from him, from which our flesh and blood are nourished by transformation, the Eucharist is the flesh and blood of that incarnate Jesus. It's simple, it's laid out, you can't argue with it, you can't get around it. If you read the early church fathers, if you read the earliest Christians and what they believed, we are of one heart and one mind with the early church. See, another way of looking at it is. Jesus, when he prayed to the God, the father, he said, I pray that they may be one as you and I are one. He's not just praying for the unity of Christians in any individual age. Like I'm praying that all Christians would be unified in 2021 or or 1962 or or 1518. Right. He's like, I pray that Christians might be unified for all ages from the beginning till now. He's praying that we can stay true to the apostolic succession, to the belief of what it means to be a Christian from the beginning till now. When we take things in our own hands, when we decide that we want to change church teaching or or, you know, tweak certain things, we are not conforming ourselves to the gospel. We're conforming the gospel to ourselves. And the Eucharist and belief in the Eucharist is a major important part of what it means to be a Christian. Because God knows us. We're, we're kind of all Thomases, right? Thomas represents all of us. Sometimes doubting. We're not perfect. We're human. We need a bodily encounter with Jesus. We need bodily encounters with each other. If, if a child is not held When they're young, serious developmental issues occur. Sometimes irreversible problems happen simply because they were not touched, they were not held. We as human beings need physical touch. God knows that. So he he did not desire to ascend to heaven, right? We're going to be talking about Pentecost and then ascension or ascension, then Pentecost and, and the weeks to follow this Easter time. He didn't ascend and say, okay, well, I'm going to leave Bye. I'm never going to touch you again. I'm never going to be there. He said, I'm with you always until the end of the age. And how is he with us in the Eucharist when we receive him and we're in bodily encounter? He knew we needed that. Thomas said, I need to reach out and touch the nail marks in his hand and reach out into his side. We all need that. So he gave us that. I had a friend, uh, Cooper Ray. Well, I still have a friend. <laughs> that sounded like I killed him off there. Um, I have a friend, Cooper Ray. He's a, he's a youth minister and a, and a speaker. He travels around giving talks and playing music. And um, this one time he got asked to do music at a Protestant church. He's like, okay, that's Cool. Fine. Um, and he was playing music and talking that and the pastor got up to to uh, to speak. And the kids had asked him, they said, we need some kind of physical representation, some physical thing to focus on when we're praying. And, and the pastor's like, OK, well, uh, so he lit a candle and he put the candle on the altar. He's like, OK, well, this just, this represents God's love for you. And Cooper's over there, a Catholic, like strumming the guitar, you know, being like, hmm, huh. I think what they really want is the Eucharist. I think what they're really desiring is a physical encounter with God's love. In the Old Testament, the high priest, once a year, would enter the Holy of Holies, and he'd, he'd take out what's called the Lachem Panim, the bread of the face, The bread of the presence, it's also called. And he would hold it on a a golden stand. He'd come out of the Holy of Holies and it came out once a year and he'd lift it up in front of all all the followers, all the Israelites, and he would say, behold God's love for you. That's what we do with the Eucharist. What was just a type, what was just a representation in the Old Testament is the reality today. This is why... We are Catholic because we want to be in one heart and one mind with all Christians from the very beginning. And what do Christians believe? We believe that Jesus is truly present in the blessed sacrament. It's not a symbol. It's not just a sign. It's not just a representation. It's actually him. When people leave the church, they leave for various reasons. But one major one is because they perceive they receive something that they're not receiving here. Maybe it's good preaching or or a different type of music that they desire, or maybe more contemporary music, whatever, or small groups. Uh, Some of that's really good and, and okay. We need to get better. I need to get better at preaching, or that. But the one thing they can never receive somewhere else is the only thing that matters. Truly, you know, I don't matter. Musicians up there, it don't matter. That's true. <laughs> this matters. That matters. Even if I was the worst preacher in the world, even if we didn't have any music, even if everyone in here, you hated their guts, they were, the, they were jerks and, and they made you mad. You should never leave, because you'd be leaving the Eucharist. You'd be leaving Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And that's the most important thing. I'll end with a quote by J.R.R. Tolkien. He's the guy who wrote The Lord of the Rings. If you didn't know, he he was a really faithful Catholic. And really, the Eucharist was the source of his inspiration for all of the, the wonderful ideas he had and, and writings he had, he wrote a letter to his son. And we all know sometimes letters to our children or, or final words to our children is what is at the heart of what we believe and care about. And this is what he wrote to his son. Out of the darkness of my life, so much frustrated, I put before you the one great thing to love on earth, the blessed sacrament. In the Blessed Sacrament, you will find romance, glory, honor, fidelity, and the true way of all your loves on earth. J.R.R. Tolkien knew that the Eucharist was important, and not just important, it was the one great thing, the one great love on earth, as it encapsulates all of our loves and fulfills all of our desires.